0: Welcome to Pixel Pizza.
1: Did she say pizza?
0: Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza Power! I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni.
1: Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time.
0: Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to I Quit, but we are not quitting. No, we are just beginning audience. Now, buckle in. I would like to tell you a little story as I introduce our guest for this week. Now, picture this. It is 2010, 2011. I can't remember the year. I am at Otakon, the convention for the otaku generation in Baltimore, and I'm passing by a booth. As you do. I think I just purchased a copy of Mega Man Legends. And I was, I hear this music. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? I'm bopping out to this music. And I go over to the guy who has his little booth. And he says, I, I ask him what music it is. And he says, this is Chippecrit. I'm like, what? He said, this is chip tune music. And I did not know what that was. I had no idea. And I buy this album and I listen to it nonstop. And then when I'm in college, I start my radio station where I play nothing but chiptune music. I reboot it as a podcast where every week I play chiptune music. And I owe it all to this guest who I'm going to be speaking with today. And that is Paul Weinstein, aka Chippocrit. Welcome, Paul.
2: Wow! Um, Hi, great, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I did not know that the backstory was that deep. That is (laughs) awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's
2: that's awesome, and it's an honor. Like I, um, it's
0: an honor for me to have you.
2: Well, it's great to be here. Uh, What what year did you say? Twenty ten or something? Yeah. Wow, Uh, that's a long time ago. Makes me feel old. um, (laughs) Me too. Was it so? So that's funny. I'll just. Just to give you a little bit of background on that situation, my friend Carlson, his name is Carlson, and his booth company is called Mad Gear, Oh, and Carlson, he goes to a whole bunch of those conventions, he's been doing it, I think, I think he still does it, I haven't actually talked to him for a couple of years, but he, um, I just kind of met him also just through chiptune playing shows, and he came to some shows, I'm from Philadelphia, so he came to some shows in the Philly area. And he was just like, I really like what you're doing. I I sell, I go to conventions and I sell classic game gear and I, you know, all all kinds of stuff. And like, I would love to just like buy a whole bunch of your CDs and sell them. And um, f- for years, that was like the biggest way I was selling my music. It was kind of awesome. He would go to conventions like Oticon yeah. and Magfest and things like that. And he would just be like, yeah, like I had this big convention this weekend. I need more like they're sold out. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's amazing.
1: That's Unbelievable. Crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, and in fact, a couple of years I went down to Otokon with him and I like worked in his booth, like just kind of hanging out. Sometimes I would actually do kind of like live chip tune DJing sets, so to speak. Mm. And um, you know, I really enjoyed just like selling stuff with him and talking to people and it was a lot of fun. Um, so I don't think I was there in 2010. He probably would have said, "Like this is the guy right here, <laughs> right?" Yeah, yeah. Like if, if I had been there. But yeah. um, a couple of years I went to Oticon is great. It's huge. Oh, and yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. But anyway, that is awesome. I'm glad that you heard it. I'm glad you liked it. And I and it's it's awesome that that was like how you got started listening to Chip Tune. That's very cool.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Uh. So I like to more properly start off the show by asking. Well, I guess, you know, games aren't specifically what you do, but how did you get, when in your life did you know you wanted to be in music?
2: Hmm. Good question. Um, I guess, so the first like instrument I started to play was guitar. And I started that when I was maybe like 12 or 13. And it was something, I mean, I always like had, music in my head i grew up listening to music my dad got me into probably the the first stuff that i listened to was like my dad's records getting into that kind of stuff the beatles and pink floyd and stuff Mm -hmm. um and uh i don't know i feel like i for like in my childhood i would i often would be like humming stuff or singing stuff and you know a lot of it was kind of fleeting but um some things kind of stuck with me. I would say some of my songs were sort of based on ideas that had been floating around in my head for a long time. But um, it was really once I started formally learning an instrument in like sixth grade or whatever, when I was like, yeah, this is really what I want to do. I love this. Um, it was easy, not easy, you know, no instrument is like necessarily yeah. easy, but uh, it was never like, i hear all these stories every time I hear somebody say like, yeah, I played guitar or I played piano a little bit when I was a kid, but I gave up. It was never like that. And it always breaks my heart when I hear stories like that because it's like, I can't imagine giving it up. It's just like, yeah. it really immediately was just like, this is what I want to do. So, about then, uh, about when I was like 12, 13, and I just kept playing guitar. Eventually, I, I kind of switched to bass um, mm-hmm. somewhat out of like necessity. I, you know, this is like the classic bass player story, but like my <laughs> friends and I were forming bands and jamming and stuff, and like right. nobody else really wanted to play bass even though I think it's actually kind of like the secret weapon, you know, it's kind of like the cool instrument because you get to do a lot of interesting stuff on it. If you know yeah. how to do that. Um, so it, so bass became my sort of like my main instrument for a while. Um, and actually when I first started doing Chippercrit sets, I would pr- bring a bass along with me. Like I would play Game Boy songs and then I would kind of switch, or I, would, I would accompany them with bass, but they kind of switched to just, a regular six string guitar after a couple couple years I guess Mm -hmm. but um yeah uh, that was basically when I got started and I just like you know sometimes you have time for it sometimes you don't but like there's always ideas always always musical ideas in my head and like I'm always trying to get them out if I can
0: so so the passion was really there from the start
2: oh yeah yeah definitely
0: and yeah I love the bass I feel like there it's always like a hidden layer to the music. Like what I can listen to a song just to enjoy it. But then when I go back and like listen specifically for what the bass player is doing, it just, it totally gives you more appreciation for the song.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw like a t-shirt or something one time and it was like four bass players. And it said something along the lines of like, you would notice if I stopped playing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of like in my opinion like a really good way to think about the bass player like um, yeah. a really good bass player is almost like so solid so in the pocket that you're not really like thinking about it it's like the subconscious thing that's just kind of like carrying the song but like I said it could be like the secret weapon like you can just do some really cool stuff and like I don't know I know a lot of people would complain about a bass solo or something but I love a bass solo oh for sure
0: uh, so how did you get from there to chiptune?
2: So basically, uh, yeah, it does. It actually does tie in with guitar and bass and stuff like um, in high school and like later, you know, like college and stuff when I was playing in these bands and stuff, I like a lot of bass players and guitar players really started getting into like effect pedals, like distortion pedals and chorus and like all this stuff. And like I always kind of was going for like a... Um, like a weird sound. Like I didn't necessarily. I, I I was would have loved to have been like the most virtuous virtuoso, crazy talented bass player. But I never really got to that point. <laughs> but um, like I'm I'm decent, but I'm not like you know Victor Wooten or whoever is like the best in the world right now. I don't know. But um, but like I also thought that there was like this sort of other way you could go, which was to like find some cool pedals and come up with a cool, creative like sound and be really original. And I always thought that that was almost something. That I wanted to do more and at some point like I, I remember having this thought in my head being like I want to sound like a Nintendo like I want my guitar or my bass to sound like an old video game system and at the time probably like 15 20 maybe like 20 years ago I didn't really know what that meant like I know I knew what those consoles sounded like I grew up with them I loved them Loved all that old music, like all my old favorite old NES games. My family got an NES when I was like six or something. And I just mm. like was obsessed with it growing up. Um, but I had no idea like what the technology was. I just knew that it had a sound. And I was like, I got to figure out how to do that. And I, there are some pedals out there that do some really cool stuff. And I've seen pedal people do really cool pedal things, make their guitar sound like a, a square wave or a certain wave shape, which is what I would learn is the thing that gives these consoles their like specific sound but like nothing was exactly what i wanted it wasn't like it just wasn't authentic enough really um and at a certain point somebody said to me well like do you know about these guys like do you know about chiptune do you know about people making music using old video game hardware and i was like no but that sounds like the best idea i've ever heard um the the first chiptune artist's i ever heard was a japanese group called um oh god ymck yeah i know them yeah and like a friend of mine in college just like sent me a bunch of their songs and it's like this crazy jazzy pop nintendo it's like jazz crazy bebop jazz coming from a nintendo but like with this japanese pop sensibility and i was just like i had no idea how they were doing it and I was just like I mean I, all I could think at the time was maybe they like found a way to like hack a video game like find an old game and
1: mm-hmm. change
2: the programming in it to play their music but I had no idea and I was just like this is awesome I, I love this I would love to learn how to do this but it didn't seem like there was any way for me to really figure it out at the time yeah it just seemed like it was such a niche thing that I would just like have to Find message boards and just, I don't know, there was no way for me to really learn it. And I was like, I had I was in a band, like a completely non tune band at the time, doing all kinds of other stuff. So like all my musical energy was not able to be focused on learning that, which was kind of a shame because like I really wanted to do it. I just didn't have time. Um at, at one point, somebody was like, There's also people doing this like in New York. I don't know if you know about this. And I was like, Oh, okay, that sounds cool. My friend living in New York was like, Gotta check out this guy, his name is Bit Shifter. Um- and I was like, yeah i was just like okay and i heard it and i was like yeah this is like the most perfect music i've ever heard i love to this day he's probably my favorite chip musician and now like a friend of mine and just i think one of the best songwriters in the world and just like a great person great musician great songwriter and uh so that was like okay i don't know it seemed like a little bit more accessible it was just like maybe i can do this maybe i can figure this out um And I learned that he did it with a Game Boy and I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere, like figuring this out a little bit. Uh, Then like maybe a couple of months or years after that, um, the like Philly chiptune scene started up. And at first I was not a part of it. Um, I I heard about this show called Eight Static, Mm. like which which would become like a monthly chiptune event. I think I heard about maybe the second or third one. I missed like the first one or two. But um, a friend of mine was like, yo, I know you're like starting to get into this Game Boy stuff. Like people are now doing it in Philly and check this out. Like there's an artist who's going to be doing a pre-show presentation on like how to do it. And I was like, oh, my God, finally, like this is what I've been waiting for (laughs) this whole time. So I yeah, I did it. I went that was like 2008 or so, I want to say I should know that number better. I think it was 2008. And I went to the the, eight, the first 8 Static I went to. There was a pre-show presentation by an artist named Animal Style, um, who's another Philly chip musician. And she just gave this, like, I don't know, it was probably only, like, 15 or 20 minutes, um, a presentation on how to use the software on the Game Boy, which is called Little Sound DJ, or LSDJ. And I was like, I got it. This is it. This is great. <laughs> like, that was the... Um, that was like the, I don't know, catalyst. Like that was all I really needed. And I went home. You can, you basically go to like a website and you you uh, buy it, pay like a $5 licensing fee or something. And then you download it and you can start running it on an emulator. And like that night I did it and I just immediately became like obsessed with it. And if that was like January or something of whatever year that was, I think 2008, I was I was like, eight static became a monthly thing. I was going back every month. I was getting more and more into it. And I played my first like open mic. Eight Static always had, you know, you could sign up to play a song if you were sort of unknown. <laughs> I played my first one in like August of that year, and like got so much positive feedback. I, I didn't, I didn't know what it, how it was going to go, but like people, the the Philly chip scene is so welcoming and so awesome. The That's whole, uh, mostly the whole chip tune scene is like, um, it's been a really awesome community to be a part of over the years, and. Yeah, just a couple months after that, they were booking me for like full sets, and then I started to get even more involved, and I became like one of the people that was basically running 8 Static. Wow. Yeah, and um, it was really awesome. Like I said, eventually I, I sort of I started out just kind of doing Game Boy stuff, but eventually I started accompanying it with other instruments like bass or guitar, and mm-hmm. um, putting out recordings and so forth. And yeah, it's it's been like I always say it's like I like I said I was in bands, I played in like the jazz like. A big band in college and I've did some other jazz stuff and whatever. This is probably the most fun I've ever had making music. And I recommend it to anybody who's like looking for something interesting and fun to do because it's like, it's got a great sound and it's got a great, you know, the software is great. That's a big part of it, but the community is great, but it's just like tons of fun. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I've heard such great things about the Philly scene and would you say like the, the software is relatively unchanged from 2008 to now, or have there been a lot of iterations?
2: There has been a lot of changes. Um, and in fact, like, I'm not even the best person to ask about it. Um, <laughs> this seems to be like a sort of common thing where somebody who's been in the scene for a long time, I sound like an old guy, but that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, we, at a certain point, like just neglect to, to keep up with the updates And so, like, some of the people who were who started out around the same time as me, like, they'll load up a song or whatever, and it'll still be on a super old version. Like, I'm sort of in that same camp, unfortunately, too. Mm. Um, But the the software has changed a lot. Like, a lot of it is um, all kinds of stuff. I'm not even the best person to ask about it because it's so hard to keep up with it, which is crazy because a lot of times people think, like, you know, um, if they don't know anything about it, it kind of seems like it's, like, something that you went... To Toys R Us, and you bought like this this software that was licensed by Nintendo or whatever,
1: mm. but
2: it's not. It's actually uh, like home brewed. You know, um, it's a very DIY community, and the guy who makes the software, his name is Johan Kotlinski, I think he's from like Sweden or something. Oh wow! He he um, he does update it pretty frequently, and there's a very active scene of people who are like keeping up with the updates and posting about them and testing them and showing off what they are. Uh, I know that there's like a lot of fixes and stuff that I would actually love (laughs) so I should update it's just like a lot sometimes the updates actually kind of you have to change things in your song I know Uh, he tries to minimize that but occasionally he'll redo something so significantly that it'll be like you have to go in and kind of fix up every hi hat or something which would kind of drive me crazy (laughs) but some some people do it some people are really obsessive and it's totally cool like whatever your workflow is you know.
0: Yeah. And yeah. So what's it like to play a uh, ship music live?
2: That's a good question. Um, so my personal stance on this is like, as a person who has like this jazz background or like I, I, my band, my old band before I did this was like a jam band. Like my fish is actually my favorite band mm-hmm. <laughs> fish with the yeah. pH. Um, yeah. I, I like, can't stand being on stage doing nothing. Like I really like to bring an improv element to it. I feel like it makes me feel better as a performer, but also I feel kind of cheap, like just being on stage giving an audience just like, you know, pushing start and dancing around. No offense to people who do that, because I've seen people do that very effectively. But personally I just like don't I don't know. I, I want I would want more if I were an audience member. So um if I'm not playing it with a guitar or something, but part of the reason I added other instruments was to help facilitate that. But like if I'm not doing a guitar or something, um there's all these little tricks like ways you can sort of tweak your songs live. The software is actually pretty good for this. Um, If you, if you think about it and do it in sort of like a kind of intelligent way. So I'll like change little wave shapes of instruments and volume envelopes and things like that. And um, I don't know, I just, I'll try to change it up. You can, you can sort of like mute and solo things, which is a kind of thing like a DJ might do. Yeah. Um, So there's ways to sort of change it up. I really like to do like transitions between songs, like, keep it moving in an interesting way and someone's like oh he's he's playing that song now you know like mm-hmm. uh, another DJ kind of thing um it's fun it's actually you know I think a lot of people if they don't know what you're doing it kind of looks like you're just like performance art you know sure. playing Tetris trying to get like, <laughs> yeah. the high school or something. so I I've tried it can be weird in certain situations where people don't understand what you're doing But I try to give like a disclaimer or I try to say, I'm not just playing a game. This is a song that I wrote or a song I arranged if it's a cover or whatever. So, you know, so they understand that it's not just like this weird thing where I'm playing a video game on stage. But uh, it's really fun when the audience is into it. I think that's the live element of it, I think can be really eye-opening for people who don't know about it. Like if you say to somebody, like if I'm at my normal non-music related job and I say, I make music with Game Boys, They'll say, oh, that sounds kind of cool, but like they are imagining, you know, sitting at home, playing your Game Boy, hearing it out of this tiny little speaker and it's tinny and it sounds like Tetris or whatever, right? right? But then when you go to a show like Innate Static or like a show in New York or something with this like huge PA and you've got a Game Boy like blasting and somebody's done it well and it sounds great, like it's eye opening. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know that thing could sound like that. And uh, I didn't know you could write such a full song because, you know, like old video game soundtracks are typically like one minute. Exactly. Yeah. And even if they're like great, like for like Mega Man soundtracks are incredible, incredible songwriting and pretty good sound design and stuff. But like it's the same thing that kind of loops over and over. So I think when people hear like a three or four minute full song on a Game Boy, they're like, whoa, I had no idea. So seeing it live can change your entire perspective on it. Um, which is really cool to see as a performer. Sometimes I'll look out there and I'll be like, oh, these people are getting it. This is awesome.
0: I can imagine, yeah. Just being able to share that energy is yeah super important. How did you have to, I mean, I don't know if you were doing live shows around the time that COVID happened, but what was adapting like, if that was the case?
2: Yeah. Well, um, I so the, the sad answer is that I haven't played a live show in like two and a half years. Um, um but to be honest um a lot of things in my life are kind of like changing my wife is pregnant right now basically basically thank you basically do kind of any day um and I figured whenever that happened in my life like the music might sort of slow down a little bit at least while I like adjusted to that new thing so this was kind of preparation for that um but also I don't know live shows as much fun as they are as much fun as a really good one is. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort for like, not always the best payoff. I'm not, I don't want to sound like a cranky <laughs> rock star. Cause I, I appreciate every opportunity I get to play live. I really do. But, um, I don't know. I've like even with the other bands and stuff that I played with, it's, there's all kinds of not just physical, but mental work that go into a show and, uh, I don't know, taking a break from it over the past two and a half years has kind of felt kind of good. Like I don't entirely miss it, which was sort of eye-opening because I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to be like, man, I really want to get back out there. I don't, I just don't totally miss it. Um, I'm sure there'll be a time and an opportunity where I'm like, I want to do this again. And that will be nice. I'm sure. But I don't even personally feel totally great about being in, places with tons of people yet like I'm yeah. still sort of trying to stay away from it I've been very lucky as far as I know I haven't got COVID somehow Cause almost everybody else I know has
0: oh yeah I got it recently it was not oh, fun
2: was it yeah yeah I've heard yeah, death I've heard it's brutal so um I've been really lucky and I, I've managed to avoid it and it would be a shame to like play a show and feel great about it and then also get COVID so
1: yeah yeah
2: but, uh, but it's kind of been nice taking a break. And again, I feel like it's just gonna make it that much sweeter when I do play again. So eventually that'll happen. Maybe, you know, like someday I will play and my like child will be in the audience and that'll be awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot, especially as a solo act.
2: To yeah. It all. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's nice in some ways, like, Practicing with a band is difficult to do, scheduling and stuff. Um, even the best bands with the best practicing schedule I've ever had, you know, you show up and you wait 45 minutes for someone else and you're just like, man, I got to go to work tomorrow. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> um, but when you're by yourself, you just get to do it on your own terms whenever you want, which is kind of awesome. Uh, that was really nice when I first started doing this. It was like, oh my God, this is, whoa, this is cool. Also, nice when I first started doing this was like showing up to a gig with like a bag. As opposed to like a four ten base cab, you know, like oh yeah. And and effects in my whole rig and like all this stuff and like needing a van and stuff. Um, so there are definitely benefits about being solo. But also, yeah, I mean, you're basically the whole thing, you're the whole corporation, you know. Yeah. Like you're you're the manager until you get a real manager if you want to do that or whatever, you're like booking and you're making sure all the wheels are moving and you're, you know. When i play conventions i typically have to get a hotel room and all this stuff and set up whatever merch all that stuff so um it is a lot of work it can be a lot of work it can be really rewarding and it's also not rewarding because you know you don't necessarily have to like split the the pay with everybody sure. um i do play with a drummer sometimes i i oh, should cool. have mentioned that earlier um a good friend of mine his name is josh steingard mm-hmm. i know that he he so he like is a like just a Philly guy that like everybody in Philly, I think has played with him. Um, he runs, an op- he runs open mics and he's just like known as a really, he's an incredible drummer and a super duper nice guy. Um, and he just like learned my stuff so incredibly well, so quickly and brought like a great element to it. So he's played on some of my recordings and I played a lot of shows with him and I love playing with him, but even, you know, scheduling practice with him and stuff can be really difficult, but he, uh, He's been playing throughout COVID. I mean, he still has tons of gigs. So I mean, he plays with lots of other people. Mm -hmm. So I know that he is like super eager to get back out and play. And I'm sure as soon as I got a booking, he would love to, to just pick up where we left off. And I want to do that. I do. But it's just, you know, it's gotta be the right time. It'll happen eventually, I think.
0: Totally. So now I think I want to go to our musical break for the episode and that is going to be another one of Paul's tracks, and it's a more recent one. It's called Sentient Safety Slide. So enjoy that one, audience, and we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to Sentient Safety Slide by our Artist of the Week and our Guest of the Week, Chippocrite Paul Weinstein. Uh, So getting back to talking with you, I I know you mentioned that you started with an open mic with 8Static, but then also you were sort of leading it for a while. Did you get to see like, young artists sort of do the open mic and then establish themselves like you did
2: oh yeah yeah definitely um yeah and that was really exciting like there was sort of this like I I got really lucky in terms of like when I started Mm -hmm. um it felt to me and, and I know a lot of people we talk about it you know like that sort of 2009 to 2012 or even later 2009 to like 2014 or so maybe it was like this really great like era of chiptune where a lot of people kind of discovered it I think sort of the same way I did and Mm -hmm. um, yeah there were some other people who uh, got involved around the same time there's a really great artist in Philly called SKGB Hmm. um, who started around the same time as me but was younger than me and like When he started, he was like really, I think he was like in high school and he was really shy. He was great. His music is really kind of uh, experimental and dark and kind of noisy. And he was kind of just like this like kid on stage, like in a hoodie, like really nervous and it was great and everybody really liked it. And he evolved into just like this, like in the best possible way, just like maniac, like on stage, (laughs) like basically like, half naked like painted all kinds of he like mods all these crazy midi controllers and stuff and he's just like on stage making like this really just like beautiful noise and um it was awesome to see like the evolution of this person come from like kind of this terrified person who wanted to be on stage but didn't quite know how to do it and then just like come out of his shell and just like rock (laughs) so that's that's a good one um there have been a few you know i remember everybody knows chip soul right oh Chipsle. sure she's amazing um, yeah i saw her i think she's been around maybe uh, maybe longer than me or, or at least the same about about the same amount of time i remember the first time i really heard about her was there's so there was like a yearly festival in new york called the blip festival and amazing. yeah that was kind of the biggest chiptune event in the world from like 2006 to 2012. And in fact, the, the last one, 2012, was the final one in New York. I was on staff and I helped run that too, which was amazing. It was it was a really great opportunity to work with some of like the best chiptune people in the world and run like no offense to eight static. They would hate <laughs> me if I said this, but it was probably the best chiptune event ever. <laughs> like I loved it. Um the um, chipsel played at blip, I think 2011? And she was like one of the first acts. I know that they were like into her. And then they were like, this is great. We'll bring her over. She's from Ireland. And she played. I think she was like the first act on the bill of one of the nights. And not too many people knew of her. And she just got up there. And it was just like incredible. It was just like the energy. Uh, And I think we all were kind of like, all right, something. This is going to be something, you know. Uh, That to me was like a pretty good memory of someone that I didn't really know much about, saw. And then like, yeah, she's like, she basically... Took, took over, like, she roll, rules Jip to now, like, she's just one of the best known, does some of the best work, and, like, oh, you easily. know, it's great. Yeah. That was cool. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, I don't know. A lot of it was just all of us kind of, like, growing together, which was really just awesome. It's been really cool.
0: Yeah, would you say you have, like, a tight-knit group of people you got to know through that?
2: So, yeah, uh, it, it has been, so 8Static kind of stopped being monthly even before covid it's really hard to keep things going especially it's like volunteer work you know like sure. none of us have really got paid or anything um maybe maybe in like we, we did a couple years of an eight static festival too like we ran our own little two or three day i forget how many days it was but we did our own thing kind of like Blit festival and um i think we ran it from like 2000 13 till, or maybe 14 until no it was 13 13 was the first year and we did like maybe four or five of them I wasn't really involved with the final one um and then after that it just becomes really hard people you know people have other things going on you know uh non-music related things and other people go into other music there's still like you know the friends are still there and I still try to see people I actually live like outside of the city. I live like maybe a half hour, 45 minutes away. Oh, okay. so, so a lot of them still live in the city and they probably hang out a little bit more often than I do with them. But every time I do get together with them, it's, you know, it's great. We're all really happy to see each other. I wish it could be more often. It's just, I'm a little farther out and it's going to be even more difficult when I have a kid. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, no, I've made some great, 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 great friends, just like people who, share like this mentality with me that I like was looking for a lot before I found it, you know, like in some of the other music scenes I've been a part of, it's just, wasn't, I love playing the music. I appreciated that the crowd was into it, but like, I'm I haven't ever really been like a big partier, you know, certain things that like you play my, my old band, we would play a show somewhere in like Virginia or whatever. And people would want to just like rage after the show. And it wasn't, it just wasn't my kind of raging And I'd be like, yeah, this is all right, whatever. But like once I started this chiptune stuff and like we're driving home from gigs and we're listening to game soundtracks (laughs) and we're like, you know, sharing LSDJ tricks with each other and stuff. And I was just like, this is what I've always wanted. This is really cool. So like, oh my God, so much, so many relationships that I just like, yeah, absolutely will treasure forever memories. Yeah.
0: That's really special. I should ask, what is your favorite game soundtrack?
2: It's a good question. I don't know if I have like an official answer. I have like a a category of answers. Mm. Um, My favorite. So NES was like my console growing up. Sure, That was like the most influential one for me. And um, I remember from like being a kid, I always really appreciated Nintendo games where the soundtrack was like, like you could tell they put thought into it, you know, because sometimes it's, you you can tell that they had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's just, like, sometimes you just have a programmer. It's, like, that line between music, musician, and just a guy who knew how to program and threw some notes together. Yeah. Um, But, like, some of the best NES soundtracks, like, not just musically, the game was all... The the music was, like, a character in the game. So, like, Mm -hmm. um, I loved the Nintendo game Maniac Mansion. Oh, yeah. Classic, like, uh, point-and-click adventure kind of game. And in the game you're like you you have your choice of like nine characters you can play as and they all have like their own little personality so one of them's like a nerd one of them's like a punk one of them's like a metal chick mm-hmm. um and when you are playing as that kid they each have like their own cd player that they're holding and their soundtrack oh. is playing and their song is just like tailored to their personality so the metalhead has like this like metal new wave kind of song and like the punk guy has like like Yeah, and uh, the nerdy guy has like a song. It's supposed to be like a Devo ripoff, I think. <laughs> and um, I just loved that they put, it's almost like an Easter egg. Like they put effort into making the music like a carrot, like just tell part of the story. Loved that. Um, another one I really like. the example I always use is uh, there was a Nintendo game called Super Dodgeball. Oh yeah. Which is, it's just like a stupid game where you play dodgeball and you travel around the world and you just, you know, playing dodgeball, but every world, every new level was like a different country and the songs were like almost offensive, uh, <laughs> like, like, like almost like poor taste like of the country you were supposed to be in, but not really like it, it was okay. It was harmless. And mm-hmm. um, it, it was just like world building in this stupid game that was like, otherwise there was no reason, there was no difference. It was like the same sprites, but just like different outfits but yeah. like, and but like they made the backgrounds look like different countries, but they made the music sound different. So like the music in England kind of sounds like a Beatles ripoff and mm-hmm. the music in Japan has like some, I think it's actually a traditional Japanese song. I forget the name of it. I've heard it in other things.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And um, just little things like that. And I was just like, as a kid playing this game and I was just like, this is somebody put thought into this. Like, this is really cool. I like that. And then later, I discovered, like, when I got into chiptune, I discovered some NES composers, oh, which yeah. is funny, because, like, as a kid, you don't really think about the people making these right. video games. Um it just felt like magic. It was like, I don't know how this thing got made, <laughs> but they are real people. And I, I learned about some of the incredible Nintendo composers. There's a guy named Tim Fallon.
0: He's the best. I was going to bring him up if you didn't. Uh,
2: <laughs> yes, I'm glad that it's always Silver nice Surfer, to hear. man. Yeah, Silver Surfer is incredible. I think that is maybe the best Nintendo, most impressive Nintendo music I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Like um, Another really good one he did was uh, Treasure Master. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Treasure Master is incredible. Pictionary. Like, yeah, Pictionary is great. Like he, it's like the songs are great. The songwriting writing is great. And the sound design is like incredible. Like he mm. makes the Nintendo sound better than anyone I've ever heard anybody do. It's like, I don't even know how, like he does it half the time. It's I just know, like
0: it's wizardry.
2: It is. It really is. So like, um, all the Tim Fallon and his brother, I think Tim and Jeff, yeah. Jeff is his brother's name. They're just like incredible, uh, Pretty much anything they did um, is some of my favorite soundtrack stuff, too. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so, yeah, and I think that transitions well to my next question, which was you have uh, done the music for some games. I know Earth Night is one of them. Uh, so mm-hmm. what are some of the differences between making chip tunes that stand on their own versus songs that are meant to be part of a game?
2: yeah um the main thing is kind of what i was just talking about how i mean i try to write songs the same way i heard them in those games that i really liked you know i don't want to just uh somebody says like i need a game and they give me no all right i'm sorry i need a song for a game and they gave me like no specifics on what they want and i just like write them mm-hmm. something and hope it works like i want to see, <clears throat> excuse me i want to see the art i want to know the story like i want to know um as much like what's the emotion like is this supposed to be like a scary level is this supposed to be kind of like a chill level and basically you take those notes and you try to come up with something that will fit um the mood because like like i was saying before music uh can be a character it can be part of the game um it's done most effects i mean it's it's really important in video games i think it's like almost a little bit more effective in like movies where a scene could be totally changed by the music you know like yeah. if somebody's walking down the hall if it's creepy then if the music is creepy you can feel creepy if it was like a silly kind of like a Danny Elfman kind of like not one of, he could be creepy of course yeah. but like but like a a jaunty song or something it's yeah, not going to cool. be as spooky of a scene so um yeah definitely there's more of an agenda there's more of a like uh, an objective like we got to make this song do this um so that is part of writing it for video games we'll do that uh it's actually been a really long time since I've written a song that was not for a game or for Mm -hmm. like a compilation or for something where somebody was like I need this you know like I haven't well I haven't put my own album out my last album that was not a soundtrack was in like 2014 or something oh that's right yeah yeah it's a long time ago now so um and those songs were just songs that I wrote for myself Uh, It's been a long time since I've done that and it's, I miss it. I really miss it. I'm hoping to do that. (laughs) Um, That was another difference with COVID actually going back to what you asked before. Like I was kind of hoping early on, like this will be a chance for me to like, if I can't perform, maybe I will like write some new songs, but I, I don't know. I try, you could probably tell from like listening to most of my stuff. Like I, I try to keep my music like happy. I try to, um, there's and there's nothing wrong with emotional music for sure. I listen to a lot of a range of emotions, but personally, I just like music that makes me feel good and like I'm sharing it with with the audience that like and to make them feel good. And Absolutely. COVID made it hard to do that. <laughs> mm. um, it, but really it made, made it, it more
0: it, important. I would say.
2: Well, sure. Yeah, I know. It just made it hard for me to feel like I wanted to write a song. Oh. Okay. Um, it was hard to get into that place where I feel like my best stuff comes from where it's just like, this is, this is going to be fun. Like I'm feeling good right now. I'm going to write something that feels good. Although, you know, I've certainly written stuff in from dark places that still sounds fun (laughs) or I've tried to, but uh, I don't know. It's been, it's hard. It's been really hard to motivate myself to be honest. And I think a large part of it was just how crazy the world has been for so long. Really. Yeah. So,
0: I know you've also, uh, you created an education series, a, your chiptune crash course online. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was it like putting that together?
2: That was a lot of fun. Um, that's been something that I, is good because it's like a tool that I can just yeah. give people. Um, I haven't, I don't, I kind of forget about it sometimes. That was like a couple years ago. There's a company they're called soundfly that's like the main company that helped me put that together a friend of mine was working an old friend a friend of mine from like elementary school was working for this company soundfly and he was they basically they their music education website um a lot of their content is completely free some of it's paid uh the paid stuff is a little bit more like immersive and you should basically work one-on-one with artists and stuff but they have a lot of free stuff and my chiptune course is actually free i don't even i i don't get anything else from it anymore so like i don't feel ashamed pushing it (laughs) like (laughs) sometimes i feel kind of like a salesman being like sign up for my thing but it's not it's just like i it's out there now just for people to learn from it which is the way i would like it to be yeah um uh they wanted they were like they were trying to find like sort of unique things that some of these other music education websites maybe hadn't tapped into yet and my friend was like "Well, i know this guy i grew up with this guy who's doing this like Video game stuff, like maybe you guys are interested in that. And he showed them some of my stuff, and they're really into it, and they just loved it. And they were really good to work with. They gave me a lot of freedom. Um, they really let me do it pretty much all myself. Like, they didn't say we want this to be this way, and you have to follow these rules or whatever. And I was able to just design this thing after years and years of like watching other people talk about it um, and learning a lot from that. Like I said, that very first you know, the 8th Static I went to, there was a workshop about it. But I also have over the years, like I've played a lot of conventions, um, like MagFest and Anime Next and lots of anime conventions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And as part of playing those conventions, I typically would like give a panel presentation on how to use LSDJ and or just chiptune music in general. And I was like able to take those presentations I've done and, and like sculpt it into something a little bit more formal And with Soundfly, they, they took like all my, I filmed these little videos and I filmed screen grab videos and I took screenshots and, you know, wrote a whole script and shared all these files with them and stuff. And like, they edited it all together and put into this package. That's just like fantastic. I think, I think it's useful. It's, it might be a little out of date going back to what you asked before, Oh right. um, yeah LSDJ updates i think i put that out maybe like six years ago something like that so a lot probably has changed since then unfortunately but um it's good to get started anyway a lot of it is kind of general just like this is what chiptune is which that's always an important thing like i feel like a lot of people dive into it without thinking about exactly what's going on and then they get confused and they never really like it never really grabs them the way it did like with me um but if you could just like hear somebody say like, this is what's going on. This is a video game console. It has a sound chip and like, this is how they work back then. I think that really helps clear it up for a lot of people. And so it, at least it still does that. So definitely worth checking out um, if anybody listening is interested in that. A friend of mine, Nick Maynard, he is from Rochester. Rochester, New York has an mm. awesome chip tune scene. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: Spoken to some great people from Rochester on this show.
2: Nice. Like who?
0: Uh, well, they were more in game development.
2: Oh, okay. But okay. Uh,
0: Dennis McCory and Lester Reynos they run a studio called Possum House Games.
2: Okay, and, awesome. And
0: I, I had music from a chiptune artist called Hang On, Get Ready.
2: Yes, yeah. It's great. I know that guy. Um, that's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned him because he is great. I'm sure he knows, he's a dev himself, and he knows like all the Rochester dev people. Yeah. Um. There's I was going to just mention Nick Maynard, who's one of the original guys in Rochester who got things started kind of around the same time H-Static got started. Hmm. Uh, He put out like a really good little like zine. It's like a tiny little chiptune guide. Um, So he's like always been all about, he puts videos out with like instructional stuff and he's always trying to help people get into it. Also, he like shared my Soundfly course one time and basically was just like, this is it. Like, this is there's no need for anybody else to ever do <laughs> like another wow. instructional thing again. Like, I would recommend this for anybody. And that meant so much to me, like, That's coming from plays. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was nice to hear that it, like, it, it checked the boxes and other people. Cause I, I, I've tried, <laughs> I, I really made the effort to, like, I don't know. I can see when people are like not understanding it. And I, I've tried to find ways to, to work around that over the years. And I hope it did that.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to have a roadmap or blueprints for people to be able to get into it and understand it. And the fact that that's so publicly available now is commendable. Yeah, cool. So how would you say you've seen the legacy of Chiptune develop since you got started?
2: Yeah, um, there have been a lot of people who have gotten started since... Um, a lot of younger people, which is always really good. For some reason, it's weird that it resonates. It's not weird. It's awesome. It's it's cool that it resonates with younger people. Yeah. Like for me, a big part of it was just like this is the sound that I grew up with. And like I said before, like I wanted to make my guitar sound like it. Um, if I and I discovered somebody doing it with a Game Boy, I was like, that's way more authentic. I might as well just do it that way. Um, growing up with it, it kind of makes sense. But like I've known people who are like younger than the Game Boy you know mm. like who who love this and are really into it and it always blows my mind um there was a like a big kind of new influx of people maybe around like sh- sort of near the end of no like that that era that i was talking about i would say around like 2013 14 15 a lot of new younger people started getting into it which was really cool to see
1: yeah
2: um a lot of younger people playing magfest you see a lot of like artists who uh we're not around when I got started now basically like headlining the chip rave at magfest oh yeah which which is really cool uh so yeah there's there's been people um definitely there was a a thing maybe a little controversial to talk about <laughs> uh-huh. there was a scene I could say community you could call it called chip tunes equals win
0: oh I've heard of them
2: yeah it was a it, it brought a lot of people on board it was originally started by a guy named Brandon Hood who was like he worked for MagFest and he did a lot of stuff. I don't want to get into the controversy of it every sure. you know it's it's the internet there's going to be yeah, controversy yeah. right. <laughs> um but a lot of people for better or for worse Chip tunes equals win Chip tunes equals win brought in a lot of people. It was a it was a very welcoming community at the beginning and uh you know exposed a lot of people to this great new thing and great new people and I know a lot of people who just like made it's funny like we have a lot of like internet friends, you know and A lot of people are friends through chiptune and we get together at these conventions or these concerts events and stuff maybe like a couple times a year if we're lucky but we're like sharing music and stuff over the internet in the meantime you know and uh i feel like i've seen a lot of younger people do that which is really great
1: yeah
2: um and it's just been cool seeing some of these younger really younger people like uh, like uh skgb start as like a You know, a kid go to college, maybe sometimes they go to like art or music school and they develop it while they're there. And that's always really awesome. And then, you know, some people like I don't know. I I would say right now, it's at least personally, Chiptune has kind of it's in like a valley. If there's peaks and valleys, you know. We're not there's there's not a ton going on right now. I think a lot of it is because of COVID. Yeah. Um, COVID, I mean, even during COVID, people were still doing certain things um not always live um sometimes it was just like you know you would send in a video clip and somebody would kind of show it back and there'd be like a an open mic compilation kind of thing i I participated in one of them or one or two of them i don't remember so like there were chiptune events happening but it has died down a lot um and and a lot of the message boards and stuff that used to be vibrant were not really uh not really like such high traffic anymore but, um, oh, I, I mean, like, this is an important thing to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. Just basically within the past year, um, there's been, there's like new technology. There's a thing that I actually got. I got my hands on one oh. just like just a couple of weeks ago. It's a new device. It's called a Mate Tracker, huh. M8. Um, Dirty Wave is the name of the company that makes, or the, the guy, it's not like a company. Mm-hmm. the The artist who basically created this, this new piece of hardware is trash 80 um he's a chiptune guy who's been around forever his chiptune stuff is incredible he's a great live performer his live sets have just been like the energy is awesome um and he's a great musician and like a great engineer i guess and uh basically what he did was he created a device that is like the size of a game boy roughly um and like laid out like a game boy so it's got like basically a d-pad and an a and b button and a start and select button Mm -hmm. and he made the software that runs on it too which is pretty much based on lsdj but um it's it's not it has like double the capacity uh, more than double like uh in terms of like the number of sounds you can be playing at once it's got like lsdj basically has four channels of audio um the mate tracker has eight and it also does like synthesis way beyond what the Game Boy can do. So it's like it's got the wave synths like the like a Game Boy it can sort of emulate a Game Boy sound chip if you really want to do that. But there's also other macro synth wave shapes like sine waves and triangle waves and whatever you might get out of like a the keyboard synthesizer. Um there's also FM synthesis, which is like the the most it's like the, the Sega Genesis sound chip was yeah, the popular exactly, yeah. Um so there's FM synthesizer in there and, and you can load in samples. So like really any sound you want. Um, and it's great because it's like the, it's basically the same interface as LSDJ. Like I picked it up, I ordered one, they were back recorded. I, I placed my order in January and I finally got it like two weeks ago. <gasps> and I just like immediately was able to like, right. To get ideas out, which is so awesome. Um, but it sounds like nothing like a Game Boy, which is, really, you know, for better or worse, um, my the night that I got it, I started doing something. I threw together like this dumb little demo thing, and I played it for my wife. And she was like, "You just got this thing? Like, <laughs> um, it's it's just awesome. That's how powerful it is. That's like more reflection on the tool than like me as a user. Like, it mm-hmm. just is. It's I it's it's affordable. It's it's expensive, but like considering how powerful a synthesizer it is, it's awesome. And I would recommend it to anybody who is like really into Chiptune, really into LSDJ of tracking and stuff. And, um, once more sounds, basically, uh, you could do songs on it and like, no one would have any idea that that was the tool that you used to build it, which I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Like, I I think to some extent, that kind of transparency can be really cool, especially if it's just like the medium that you work well with. So like, that's probably going to be the, the future of Chiptune. tune, you know, things like that, like taking the interface that we love and just expanding it and, um, giving people the opportunity to like do more with what we know it's awesome
0: that that is so awesome i had no idea about that yeah so i mean obviously you know you have other things more pressing things going on in your life at the moment but uh where do you see where do you see yourself going next in the world of chiptune whenever that comes around
2: yeah i don't know um it's like a cop-out to say I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer at the moment. I'm I'm sure that there's going to come a time when I'll play again. I actually, like, just a couple of weeks ago, I was back on stage playing non-chip music with people mm-hmm. for the first time. And um, it was like, okay, being on stage is all right. <laughs> uh, like, and, you know, it, w- it was a good, sort of a good first step, I think. Um, I'll be back. I'll be performing again at some point. I want it to be like a good gig where it's like the right time, the right, maybe like an outdoor show or something um, and enough time to promote it and stuff so people know about it. And I feel like at that point, if it goes well and there's people there and everyone's like, man, I I missed this and stuff, I will probably feel totally different. But if I play, if I do something and it's not and then people aren't there or whatever and they've kind of like forgotten about me, I'll just be like, all right, (laughs) you know, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Um, I do, like I said, I really want to do when, as soon as I'm in the right mindset, I want to start writing music again for myself. I have ideas. Mm-hmm. I do. I just haven't gotten them out. Um, I think the mate tracker will be a good catalyst for that. Cause like, I, I really love it. I f- immediately fell in love with it. Um, part of the thing that everybody likes about chiptune is the limitations and having more options with the mate tracker is a little, I'm, I'm getting a hang a, like a hold on it It's it's been a little overwhelming yeah. but at the same time the interface being sort of still based on the limitations that i was used to helps it balances it so once i get better with that i'll probably do some more stuff with that i would love to put out you know an album that's all make track or something like that that would be really cool and yeah. i don't know um i do think that i am probably going to not do soundtrack work for a little bit i don't know like I said before, I don't want to. It's been a while since I've written songs for myself, and it would be nice to like to to have a f- as much freedom to do that as I can. I do know I can't get too much into it. I don't know what I'm authorized to talk about. Um, Cleaversoft, the company that I worked with to do Earth Night, mm-hmm. we do we do have there. There is another. Our next project is in the works. Um, I'm already going to be my my involvement is going to be def- less. And different than it was last time but I'm sure I'm going to be involved in something and I'm sure there will be some music of mine in there which I'm looking forward to <laughs> but it'll great. also be it's going to be kind of liberating to not have it be like the whole thing which will sure. be nice um and then I don't know like I'm in a good place right now like like you said it is different because I have this kid coming and um I have a full-time non-music related job which I love I, like I've been working. There for like about a year and a couple months and i'm happy to be spending my time with that <laughs> so it makes it you know i think if i didn't have that i'd probably really be losing my mind and be like oh my god i gotta do music uh, i gotta yeah. you know but it's been nice to have other stuff i don't know i'm like definitely becoming kind of a boring old man <laughs> but uh but music is always going to be there even if it's like a friend of mine he he started like a like a dad band, and they play like alternatives and covers and stuff from the nineties and stuff. Like, I I feel I feel like twenty two year old me would be like, you can't do that. Like, what the hell is <laughs> wrong with you? But now I would be like, I would love to do that.
0: Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. All right. So that was pretty much all the questions that I had, except for my final question, which is: This is the Pixel Pizza podcast. Where is your favorite pizza
2: place? Wow. Um, so much good pizza in Philly. Um there's a place. This is gonna sound terrible. This is like, like I said, I live like 45 minutes out of the city, so I don't even go down that often anymore. Mm-hmm. There was a place in Philly, I'm not sure if it's still there. It was on South Street. It was at like fourth and south. Um, it was called Sal's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And like that was my favorite in the world. The slices were like gigantic. And like it was right across the street from the the theater of living arts, which is like one of my favorite venues. Um, so you'd, you'd like, I think it was Sal's. Am I like getting this wrong? Oh, I'm looking it up to make sure I'm like saying the right place. Mm-hmm. I feel like an idiot. It's been such a long time since I've been there. I feel like it maybe it might not be there anymore, which is why I can't remember. I, there was like a fire there a couple of years ago. Uh... I thought it was Sal's. I don't know. Giant slices, the best sauce. Like I'd be Ooh. at college away from this and I'd be like I got to go home and get that pizza like I really wanted that uh that was the best in the world haven't had it for a really long time and I think it's because they're closed that's great um yeah Sal's. I think it was Sal's. I'm gonna really be kicking myself later if I was wrong about that <laughs> all right
0: well long live Sal's, or rest in peace Sal's, depending on the situation hope they're doing all right <laughs> Uh, and yeah, thanks again for joining me, Paul. I had a really good time this time.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Um, this has been great. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So where can our listeners uh, keep track of what you do?
2: Um, so I do still update Chippacrit.com occasionally. It might look right now like there's not much going on. Um, but yeah, Chippacrit.com still, it has you know all the information about my releases and everything you can stream or buy, whatever you want to do um information about earth night and everything is there too uh twitter is probably where i'm most active i like to tweet usually non-music related stuff mm-hmm. whatever is just going through my mind um and i don't my facebook page could probably be a little bit more active too and instagram as well but yeah those those usual places they're all just like slash hypocrite i managed to secure that url for these things <laughs> the username somehow but yeah chippercrit.com the main one and anywhere you know and like yeah always welcome people sending me emails if they have questions or hitting me sending me a message twitter anything because I love talking about this stuff always willing to to answer anything anybody needs
0: that's fantastic so yeah I think we'll leave off there and we'll end it with one more track from you and that is little computer people
2: wait a second actually if I may it's oh. Lorenzo's. It was Lorenzo's pizza. I Lorenzo's. Can't believe I was saying so. Okay. Yes. I feel like the worst person, the worst Philly <laughs> person ever. Now, Sal's was a pizza place in um my hometown, the the suburb of Philly, right outside. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, but Lorenzo's was the best place in the world. Lorenzo's. Sorry, Lorenzo's. Right. That's that was what I meant. Bad. <laughs> and I think it's still there too. So.
0: Okay, that's go good. to Lorenzo's. A yeah.
2: All right. Uh, yeah.
0: So ending it now. Uh, Little computer people, enjoy, and we'll see you next time.